Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. As the Nationals are struck away from franchise history and some World Series history. Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly W is in the books! It's not a dream! It's not a desert mirage! It's Lord Stanley! And he is coming to Washington! Oh, oh, great crossover. Got it. <laughs> That's called getting put on skates. Down to two, down to one, and the Washington football team with the upset in Pittsburgh, handing the Steelers their first loss of the season, coming back from 14-0 down. What a win. The show by the fans for the fans. Covering all four major sports in the District of Champions. It's the DC Crossover Podcast with your hosts, Mike Cerrone and Ben Simpson. Hello and welcome everybody to episode 104 of the DC Crossover with Cerrone and Simpson. I am Mike Cerrone and I am going solo today for a solo episode as Mr. Ben Simpson is celebrating his firstborn's birthday. Firstborn's birthday. Happy birthday, Lucy. Hope you guys are having a great time. So I said, you know what, Ben? You take the week off. I will handle this solo today. So hopefully everyone does not tune off their podcast knowing that, hey, one half of the show is not going to be here for today's episode. But once again, I am Mike Cerrone, one half of the DC crossover with Cerrone and Simpson, episode 104, The Madness of March. Again, if you are new to the DC crossover, this is the DC crossover with Cerrone and Simpson, where we cross over all four major sports teams and dabble into some other teams as well and other things in life, some other aspects of life on the contender, as they like to say. Uh, and we uh, have been doing this for a very long time. So, uh, it, it's kind of funny because we don't really do shows separately. Uh, typically, we always try to work it out and try to figure out different times to do the show and also figure out different uh, avenues of when we can do it or where we can do it or uh, just improvements of the show in general as well. Uh, so doing solo shows is not something that we're used to, but we have done in the past. I mean, we have done shows uh, for The Contender, which by the way, Definitely subscribe to The Contender and also download their app and everything like that. It's Contender with a K. Uh, you can go and download their app and download all the podcasts from the DC Crossover and also from all their uh, all the other different podcasts and shows from the Washington, D.C. area and the Chicago area as well. Uh, but definitely uh, check out The Contender. But 
just like we were saying that we've done a lot of post-game shows for the Washington football team, as they were called this previous season. And uh, the funny thing about that is, is a lot of times I was on the road or Ben wasn't able to do it. So we did a couple of different post-game shows separately, uh, which we're not really used to. But like I said before, we've done before. So hopefully this show goes pretty smoothly. Um, but uh, again, if you're new to the show, uh, definitely go check out some of our old episodes. Uh, we do also post on YouTube. You can go on YouTube and check us out on there as well. Uh, but definitely check out uh, the contender, the contender TikTok, different things like that for previews of the show or little snippets of the show, uh, so on and so forth. And then you can get most of the podcast downloaded from there or from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast uh, in general. So definitely subscribe, rate, review, everything like that. We definitely appreciate it. But again, I am Mike Cerrone, one half of the DC crossover, and you guys can check us all out on all the social media outlets. So a little bit of a rundown today. Uh, before I get to uh, some things I want to talk about, uh, before we get to the rewind and everything like that, we're going to talk about the commanders, some of the moves that they've done today uh, and also in, in the past week. Uh, also, the Washington Capitals are on a heater, so that's good to hear as well. Uh, but we're also going to talk a little bit about March Madness. Uh, I got some gripes to talk about uh, and different things like that from bets and bad beats and things like that. So if you are not new to the show, you definitely know that I have some bad beats uh, that happened to me on the regular, it feels like, nowadays. Uh, we will get back into the final lap as well. And uh, we're going to skip trivia today because obviously Ben is not here. Uh, but then I will mention Ben's picks and my picks. Last week, we both went one and one. Uh, I was close to not going uh, anything once again. But we are both two and four on this leg of our Moneyline pick, sponsored by DraftKings, once again. Uh, but definitely go check out all of our previous episodes. Uh, but today is episode 104. The Madness of March was the topic I came up with uh, and the title I came up with as well, mainly because of the sole fact that having some gripes. Having some gripes, guys. Um, oh, man, I just don't know. I don't know what to do when it comes down to March Madness because this year everyone has been asking me like who do you pick I mean what's the team to 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 pick like Gonzaga in the past or Kentucky in the past and I always said to everybody that asked me because I had about maybe 15 people that asked me um, because I'm in a few different pools and different things like that and they were all like who did you pick who do, who are you supposed to pick who's the favorite who's the there's not really one favorite. Gonzaga has the best odds, but that doesn't mean that they are the team to beat in this tournament, I don't think. Because I think that if you see Gonzaga's, I mean, previous games that they've had, they were down to Georgia State, I think, at halftime by two. And they were also down uh, in their last game to Memphis. So you can't sit there and, and look at Gonzaga as being the number one favorite team uh, and, and the number one you know favorite to, to beat because – if you saw my Arizona Wildcats, now I'm not saying my, I, I picked them to win, so that's why I'm saying a my. I didn't go there or anything like that. But Arizona last night basically was up by nine points, couldn't score for like four minutes, and let TCU come all the way back in the ball game and totally, totally almost screwed over every single thing that I had riding on Arizona to win this whole thing. Um, on DraftKings, one of our sponsors, I put a $50 free bet uh, pre, I guess you could say, pre-tournament uh, that was plus 600 on Arizona with that $50 free bet to you know cash in 350 or whatever it was. And of course, they almost lose last night. And I stayed up 
all the way until almost 1 a.m. watching that game. And I was almost going to go to bed really pissed off. But anyways, they came out with it. I mean, Ben Matherin is just a monster. That guy can play. And I would love to have him on my Washington Wizards anytime, any day. I mean, literally, you're just looking at this guy going out there with ice in his veins when the, when the, it's in crunch time. Yeah, sometimes he disappeared during the game. But when crunch time came down, they didn't look at Coloco down low. They didn't look to anybody but Ben Matherin. He basically won that game for them, especially with that deep three to tie it up uh, in overtime. Or excuse me, in regular time. But anyways, uh, I've had some gripes. Um, you know, I've had some bad beats and I, I, I'm going to talk about it. Like last night, Arizona, they got up by nine. I had a minus nine and I had the Purdue money line, which hit, I had the Purdue over that hit. And then all I needed was Arizona to cover the nine, which they could have easily done because at one point in the second half, they were dominating that basketball game. And then they just <laughs> did not want to score for four minutes. I mean, you cannot win a basketball game and literally not score for four minutes in the second half. You're up by nine. That's not enough, not a big enough cushion. That's why ten, or not Tennessee TCU came back and took the lead. And you're also looking at TCU go out there and get 20 offensive rebounds. How does this team go out there and get 20 offensive rebounds with a team like Arizona that has two seven foot people out there? How do you have two seven foot oak trees? And you let 20 offensive boards. Now, I understand if you have a few shots here and there that somehow go off the rim a certain way and it lands into the offensive guy's hands. Or if there's a guard that's somehow on the three-point line and it hits the back iron and pops all the way out. I understand that. But it didn't happen 20 times. I mean, it was just the grit of TCU. So hats off to TCU. Hats off to TCU for pretty much dominating that game. Also, the refs swallowing their whistles at the very end there uh, when they kind of had a little had a little hip check kind of or pretty good defense, but uh, at the end of regulation, which, by the way, that's another gripe where I forgot who exactly tried to shoot the ball. They tried to dunk it at the end of regulation when they were given a gift because no, no foul was called. I, I just, oh, man. That's that's another gripe that I have. Like it's just like, are you serious? Like you're gonna go up for a dunk? You have two seconds from half court, and you're gonna try to go dunk it. I mean, just just not smart plays. Now I understand some of these guys are not you know seniors or, or they're not uh, really well known when it comes to the tournament and everything like that because they're younger guys or whatever. But you got to be smarter than that. That was just not smart at all. But just overall, we'll get into some more March Madness talk later. But one thing I have to have to talk about really briefly, hopefully, uh, it's going to be hard by myself here because Ben usually, he doesn't really give me a signal or anything like that, but more so he sits there and says something like, you know, and uh, we're moving on, you know, because then I know, okay, you know, keep it moving, Mike, keep it moving. Uh, but when I'm sitting here by myself, it, it's kind of difficult. There is one gripe that I have, and I saw this on TikTok. Now, I watch TikTok, you know, from time to time. I would say I watch it, I, I don't know if I watch it every day. But I will say that I watch a decent amount throughout the week. And the funny thing is, is I saw this video the other day. And it kind of reverts back to like maybe a decade ago when this was actually popular. But when cars have subwoofers, like when those guys think like, hey, man, you want to hear the bass that I have in my car? And they have a sub like in the back of their trunk or something. I saw this video where this guy was in like an F-150 or something. And literally, he had like six subs in there. 
and all of a sudden he's like, "Hey, I'm gonna turn this on." They made a video of it, and like, like I don't know if it was a girl or a guy's uh, hair. I forgot the video was like two weeks ago. Uh, I just made a note of it in my in my phone um, to talk to Ben with, but I, I figured it was a good time to talk about it by myself. So the girl or guy, I forgot who was in the back seat. I couldn't really tell because it was kind of dark. Their hair was like flinging, like it was like staticky or something like that because the bass was so loud. The sound waves were moving their hair. I'm like, what's the point of that? Like, that's not cool. That's not funny. That's not like, dude, that's awesome. Like, no, that makes no sense. Why would you even do that? Like, Now, I understand this is like, you know, I'm an old man shaking my fist at the sun, but it's like, (laughs) I just don't understand people who have subs in the back of their car, because if I'm trying to listen to, you know, the game, or if I'm trying to listen to Eminem or, or whatever song that was back in 2011, okay, I'm not trying to sit there and just listen to the bass. I want to listen to the music. I want to listen to the lyrics. I want to listen to, uh, you know, different things, you know, the beats in, in general. I don't want to hear, like, the entire time. What's the point of that? I, I had an old roommate that actually came down. Uh, he always comes down for the Dallas Stars game uh, against the Caps every single year. And he was here yesterday, and he reminded me of this as well. That's why I brought it up on the show. When we were in college, he actually had a, a subwoofer in his trunk. And every single time I got in his car, his rear view mirror would be facing downward because it was vibrating the car so much that the rear view mirror couldn't handle it. I mean, what's the point? I never understood why people thought that was cool. I never understood that. Like, I seriously want someone to tweet me at Cerrone16 on Twitter. You can also tweet Ben at the DC Crossover on Twitter as well. And... Tell us why you think that a subwoofer that is the size of a of a you know electric guitar amp that Metallica used is cool to have in your trunk. Like I don't understand. Like it, the the bigger the bass, the the bigger the balls. I don't I don't know what you want to say. I don't know what you want to say with that. I mean, literally, it's like you're compensating for something. I don't know what it is. But when you have a sub in the back of your trunk, what's the point? What's the point of listening to music? You might as well just have uh, something on your phone that, you know, you just press bass and it does the vibration sound. And all you do is just sit there and listen to that. That's all it is. That's all I'm going to say. I just don't get it. I just don't get it. It makes no sense to me why people have subwoofers in the back of their cars that don't even enhance music. It's not like you're having like some auto tune or something like that back there that's doing something, you know, technologically sound. I don't know. I don't know. Makes no sense. Makes no sense to me. <sighs> Anyways, <laughs> I don't know why. It's just a topic that I felt like bringing up, and I'm sure Ben would be laughing at it, and he wouldn't really have any, uh, you know, he wouldn't probably wouldn't have any response to it, but. Hey, who cares? So anyways, we are going to get into the rewind here and talk about our teams in the Washington, D.C. area that have had games over the last week. In case you missed it, this is our rewind segment. So in case you missed it, here we go. The Washington Commanders 
I had a decent week this week. So obviously we lost Brandon Sheriff. And we also lost Eric Flowers from cutting Eric Flowers and losing Brandon Sheriff to the Jaguars. So we ended up signing Andrew Norwell from the Panthers and Jacksonville. So that he started with the Panthers with Ron Rivera and then went to Jacksonville and turned him from an undrafted player to a pretty, you know, pretty noticeable player. He was actually a pretty good guard. So he will take Eric Flowers' spot and actually be next to Charles Leno for the future. So we'll see how he does and how uh, him and John Matsko, who actually he played for for three years in Carolina with Rivera as well. So we'll see how he does and uh, how he is put into the mix here in Washington. J.D. McKissick pulls the okie doke on Buffalo and re-signs with Washington for two years and $7 million. J.D. McKissick, I mean, I, I love you, man. I don't know why you came back to Washington. Maybe you like it, like the you know cherry blossoms or something, but I don't know why you came back to Washington for – uh, you know, for two years, seven million. When you got the exact thing, maybe you just don't like the snow or something in Buffalo. Uh, but I don't know. They have a really good situation up there in Buffalo right now with Josh Allen and company. And we also lost Brandon Sheriff, Matt Ioannidis, and Tim Settle to other teams and free agency and different things of that nature. Trying to create that cap space ever since we got rid, or excuse me, not not got rid, got Carson Wentz uh, from the Indianapolis Colts. Moving on to the Washington Capitals, 35, 19, and 10, fourth in the Metro, second in the wild card spot right now. Tuesday, they beat the New York Islanders 4-3 in a shootout. It was a tight game throughout. Six total lead changes with Ovechkin's wrister off the faceoff uh, in the third period, giving the Caps a lead late, but Anders Lee tied it with less than two minutes to go. Uh, but Anthony Mantha scored in the eighth round of the shootout. Him and TJ Oshie were the only ones to score in the shootout. Our old friend Simeon Varlamov was standing on his head in the shootout, but so was Vitek Vanacek as well, so you got to give him credit too. Uh, so we ended up beating the New York Islanders and our old friend Barry Trotz, 4-3 in the shootout. On Thursday, we beat Columbus down 7-2. That was an embarrassment for the Blue Jackets. Anthony Mantha scores his fifth and sixth goals of the season uh, in the first period, and Ovechkin with another goal, so he was getting his uh, second goal in a row, I believe, at that time, 38th of the season. Vitek Vanacek also had a great game in that one. 39 saves with a 9-5-1 save percentage in that game. So Columbus just got thrashed, uh, you know, throwback to the Atlanta Thrashers uh, in the game on Thursday, 7-2. Friday they beat Carolina 4-3 in the shootout. Another win for them in March against Carolina. Ovechkin ties it up on the power play with his 39th goal of the season in the third. Only one to score in the shootout as well to give the Caps Two more points, so Ovechkin really was the one to lead on in that game against the Canes. And then on Sunday, the game I went to yesterday, my first game in a couple of years, they lost to Dallas 2-3, to which is hilarious because Dallas always plays very, 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 very well whenever they're in Washington. Uh, Otter, as they call him for Dallas, had 36 saves uh, and a 9-4-7 save percentage, which is actually kind of funny because the save percentage is up there, but we didn't really have any pressure. Our, our neutral zone was sloppy. Not a great game overall. The Stars went two for two on the power play, so the power uh, the PK was sloppy as well. Uh, but Ovi snags his 40th goal on the power play. Four straight games with a goal for our captain. So moving on to the Washington Wizards, who are just dreadful as of late. Uh, they are, you know, they are one and zero in the last game they played, <laughs> but 30 and 40, 10th in the Eastern Conference. Monday they lost to Golden State, 112 to 126. 
KP had 25 points, 8 boards, 10 of 10 from the free throw stripe. Uh, so a good game for him overall. But Steph Curry, just too much of a monster. 47 points, 6 boards, 6 assists, and went 50%, 7 of 14 from beyond the arc. On Wednesday, they lost to the Nuggets, 109-127. Uh, Denny Advia had a really good game as well, 19.7 rebounds. So that's good to see from him, and it's a good thing that we didn't outdeal him because he's a young talent, and uh, we need to see more games like that from him along with his defense. But, uh, again, the Joker, uh, I mean, Jokic is just a, is a monster. I mean, there's nothing else to say about him. He's just a monster, and I hope that West Onsell Jr. can somehow pull – something off to get him here in a couple years uh, from Denver because they are in, in really good standing and actually are really good friends. Uh, but the Joker, 29 points, 13 boards, 8 assists, and we lost to Denver uh, by almost 20 points in that one, so 18-point loss in that one on Wednesday. Friday, we lost to New York, the Knicks. A uh, real tight game, one of those old-school, like, 90s-type scores, 97 to 100. Uh, Kyle Kuzma with 8 points, 9 assists, 5 rebounds. Uh, not a bad output by him, so a pretty good game by him. Kristaps uh, Porzingis, 18 points and 11 boards, so a nice double-double for him. But the problem was that the Knicks starters all were in double figures. Randall and Robinson both had double-doubles, so it's very hard to come out with victories uh, when two of the starting five for the op opposition have double-doubles. So we ended up losing that one by three. Uh, and then on Saturday, again, like I said, 1-0 in our last game, we beat the Lakers 127 to 119. Uh, we'll get into a topic about LeBron here on the final lap. Uh, but seven Wizards were scoring double digits in that game, so that was good. Uh, Porzingis and KCP leading that output uh, as well. Uh, they outscored LA by 14 in the fourth, which was really good. And that's the one thing that propelled them as they were, I think they were down by like 11 after the first period. Uh, so that was a, uh, a detriment, but they ended up coming back and showing some fight, which is good. And the funny thing is that we have a better record than the Lakers percentage-wise, and that's embarrassing for the Lakers. I mean, you have possibly, if you still consider him the best player in the world with LeBron James, I mean, that's embarrassing for the best player in the world. And you have some other small pieces on that team as well, and the Wizards still have a better percentage than you. That's, that's embarrassing. Uh, and our friends over at Audi Field, DC United lost to Toronto FC 2-1. to uh, Russell Canal scores for the United in the 10th minute. Toronto more efficient, though, in the offensive zone. Uh, sh uh, shooting six on target out of their total nine shots. That's a pretty good percentage at 66% on goal. And obviously, Bill Hamid did not save those other two. But their second goal was pretty tight. Uh, pretty tight goal in general because that was right inside the right post. And a beautiful goal for Toronto uh, that Bill Hamid had a really tough time trying to save that one. That was tough. But overall, DC United, uh, not a terrible start to the season. Uh, but just in general, that was the uh, overall thought process was, you know, Toronto it was a winnable game, but we did not take them down. So that is the rewind for all you folks that did not get a chance to watch some of the games over this past week. But now let's move into some topics that we need to get into for the Washington Commanders. We are the Commanders. The Washington Commanders made some moves. And we need to talk to them, or talk about them, I should say, right now. So uh, right now I'm thinking that, honestly, when you're talking about the Washington Commanders, as we want to talk to them, uh, why do I keep saying talk to them? That makes no sense. Talked about them. Sorry. I'm going to take a little sip of this uh, nice iced coffee. 
Ah. Tastes great. So, honestly, hearing over the radio over the last, uh, I guess you could say last week or so, I'm hearing the needle move just slightly, just slightly for Carson Wentz. Now, is it something that's going to be moving the needle in the sense of, oh, yeah, you know, this is going to make sure that the fan base is behind this team 100%? No, I'm not saying it's like that, but I'm more so saying that Carson Wentz actually has a great opportunity here uh, because it's a fresh start. It might be his last opportunity to start anywhere, to be honest with you. But I think that we are in position right now to give him a better opportunity to win. Now, Frank Reich was, you know, his whisperer, if you want to call him that, in Philly. But Philly had more weapons. Philly obviously was more in position to win that year than uh, Indy was last year. Indy has a pretty good uh, defense for the most part, I would say. Um, you know, I don't have the stats right in front of me right now. Um, but when you're looking at it, our defense has been, you know, ranked last year prior to the season starting as one of the best in the NFC. Yes, we didn't really have a great uh, season in general, uh, but I think that this season is going to be a little bit different. I think this season is going to be a little bit different. Yes, did we lose Tim Settle and Matt Nionitis? Yes. Uh, did we re-sign Bobby McCain? Which, again, I, I, I have to you know eat some crow on this. I, I did talk a little bit of trash about Bobby McCain because I never heard of him in my life before last year. Um, but he did play pretty well towards the end of the season, which is good. So they re-signed him. Uh, not a big risk there. Uh, they got rid of Landon Collins to create some cap space. So I'm thinking that if Jamin Davis can improve his game and Cole Holcomb can, can stick to his game, which is making tackles left and right, we can try to find somebody to be that middle linebacker spot. Now, is that in the draft or is that still in free agency? Who knows? Uh, but we can find someone. We can figure out that spot. I'm not worried about the linebacker spot right now. I think Jonathan Allen uh, is going to be the captain once again and, and do what he does, possibly make another Pro Bowl. And hopefully Montez Sweat and Chase Young uh, can improve their game because there was a lot of talk last year and not a lot of production. That's the problem. Yes, I understand. Uh, you know They both had injuries. I think uh, Montez had a broken jaw or something like that. <clears throat> and then Chase Young had his situation uh, with his leg. But... At the same time, you can't sit there and pull a LeBron James, you know, on TV and say like, not one, not two, not three. You know, that's that's something LeBron James did, and they won two. Okay, they won two. So you're looking at it and saying, okay, when you go out there and say you might set the NFL sack record, then you have the season you just did. That's obviously not going to cut it. It's not going to cut it, and you have to go out there now and prove. Not just to this fan base, but you have to prove to the entire NFL that you're not a fraud, that you're not a bust. And yes, did you win Rookie of the Year on the defensive side? Yes, you did. But at the same time, you have to go out there and prove something now. Sophomore slumps, yes, they happen. But you can't call it a junior slump. You can't call it a, you know, a senior slump. So you can't have two more years like you did in your second year, Chase Young, you have to go out there and show everybody your talent. And I think I heard it best uh, on the radio the other day that one of these you know, veterans, one of these uh, you know, uh, Hall of Famers have to come out and try to, like a Bruce Smith or someone like that, have to, has to come out and try to help him. Some, maybe, maybe somebody from Ohio State, you know, alumni from Ohio State or 
so, uh, some type of coach has to come out there and say, these are the moves that you need to learn. It's not just bull rush every time or try to get around somebody. I mean, there are different types of ways to uh, you know beat an offensive tackle that's a backup. I mean, it's it's just you know you're not going out there and 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 you know facing you know Chris Samuels you know throwback to a Redskins tackle. You're not going out there and facing uh, Jonathan Ogden from the Ravens. You know every single week, there's guys out there you can beat. There's guys out there where you can go out and have three or four sacks in a game. So I'm I'm just hoping that this defense improves. Now going back to the offensive side of the ball, you know I, I think Carson Wentz has weapons here that he did not have in Indy. And the biggest thing that I look at is the wide receiving core. Indy did not have a Terry McLaurin. They just didn't. I mean, Michael Pittman, all right, not that bad. Paris Campbell, he got drafted ahead of Terry McLaurin, his former teammate. And Terry McLaurin has been blowing him out of the water. Paris Campbell, I don't even know if he's a good wide receiver in the NFL. Let's be honest here. But what I'm saying is that you have to look at this uh, this core on offense and say, when healthy, they can do damage. And I think the biggest thing is that we have to go out there and find that number two receiver or find that 1A receiver. Now, is that 1A receiver going to be 1A immediately? No. But if somehow we can go out there and get an Alave from Ohio State, I don't know why Ohio State is just like a trending topic here with uh, Terry McLaurin and, and Chase Young and whoever else. It's like, it's like we're you know a breeding ground for Alabama and, and Ohio State players. But that's the biggest thing as I'm looking at is if you can go get Olave with the 11th pick, okay? I haven't heard a single bad thing. I've heard he's a crisp route runner. He's got speed. He can catch the ball with the best of them. I, I mean, we need someone like that. We don't need a Malcolm Kelly. We don't need a Devin Thomas. We don't need a Josh Doxson. We don't need these guys that you think can play, you think can catch the ball. If you play at a premier program like Ohio State and you're playing against the Penn States, you're playing against the Michigans, you're playing against these high-profile caliber teams out there in college football, and he's still proven that he's better than everybody else, you got to go get that guy. You can't take a flyer on somebody in the third round or you know, you know, try to sign Adam Humphreys. You know, I'm sorry, Adam Humphreys, but you're not a number two. You're not a 1A type guy. You're that guy that's going to go out and get the three-yard three, three yard hitch route. Okay, I, I just think you have to go out and get another weapon because the biggest thing here is that Carson Wentz needs more weapons, more weapons. You can't just have Jonathan Taylor go out there and hope that he runs for 176 yards to win the game. Antonio Gibson isn't Jonathan Taylor. Antonio Gibson is a really fine back. Don't get me wrong. He had a great year this year. But when you're looking at it, the Bengals, for instance, Boyd, Chase. I mean, I mean, it, 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 they got they got other weapons. Literally, they got other weapons. And I know I didn't name all of them, and I know some of them got lost this year uh, in free agency. Uzama to be won't be uh, quite exact, but. You're looking at it and saying, that's a team that made the Super Bowl because they had weapons. Now, obviously, there's no Jamar Chase in this draft. But you're looking at it and saying, you can go get Olave. And I'm a proponent for Olave right now because we need weapons. 
Because if you can go get a secondary receiver, because you can't lean on Curtis Samuel. Curtis Samuel ain't going to be the guy. But if you can go out there and get Olave, then all of a sudden, you start to become a little bit more dangerous in the NFC East and the NFC in general. Because, honestly, we can be that type of team that is not going to go and blow the doors off you like a uh, Pat Mahomes and Tyreek Hill type where Tyreek Hill is going to you know, catch a crossing route and, and burn everyone down the field. We don't have any speed like that. But we can use our wide receiver depth because we did re-sign Cam Sims, Sam, Cam, Cam Sims as well. And we can use that depth. If Curtis Samuel can be the number three on this team where he's not out there every single play or leaned on to be out there every single play, I'm all for it. Because obviously he hasn't proved that he can be that guy, number one, mainly because of the injury, the, the, the what was it, the, uh, the groin injury or something like that, whatever he had last year. But that's the biggest thing, is that I'm hoping, I'm hoping that Curtis Samuel can be healthy, we can get a weapon at number 11, and if honestly, if, if there's not a weapon that's worth, I mean, the 11th pick, go out and get the best guard and replace Sheriff. Because you got Norwell to replace Flowers. Go get the best starting guard to replace uh, to replace uh, uh, Brennan Sheriff. And then you can work work on the weapons on the outside. Now, obviously, it's going to be tough because if you don't have weapons, you know, we saw how much of a detriment it was when Logan Thomas went out. Because then everyone was double-teaming and triple-teaming Terry McLaurin. And Taylor Heineke was out there throwing in triple coverage every two seconds. But... If we can make sure Carson Wentz goes out there and make sure that he does not turn the ball over, not make stupid mistakes, give him multiple weapons, go through progressions, okay? And then if he, you know, you tell him, hey, if you can't fit that ball in there, J.D. McKissick, J.D. McKissick. That's all you got to say. And if J.D. McKissick ain't out there, throw it to Antonio Gibson. He used to be a wide receiver at Memphis. We got pass catchers in the backfield. Thank God J.D. McKissick came back because now we're pretty much set in the backfield, which is awesome. But you need to have another wide receiver out there, and I think it all starts in the draft. Because, again, Carson Wentz is not going to succeed here if we don't have enough weapons. And it's easy to say that. You know, every single team says, well, as long as we had a quarterback, now we have one. And I'm not saying that we have a Hall of Fame quarterback, but we do have a quarterback that can make better throws than Taylor Heineke. No, this is not a you know, I'm going to rag on Taylor Heineke you know situation here, but Carson Wentz is an improvement at that position. Is it a big cap hit? Yes, but let's try to make it worth it. If he goes out there and shows promise, maybe even takes us to the playoffs. Knock on wood. I just knocked on wood. If no one heard it. It's kind of a weak knock, though. Let me try it again. Okay. If somehow he goes out there and wins 10, maybe even 11 games, God forbid, I think we need to re-sign him or at least keep him. Now, he can restructure his contract. Now, I think that if you look at it, you can easily say, we, you know, tell, I honestly think you can tell Carson Wentz, hey, we're going to cut you. If you don't restructure your contract and you're going to have to go to, you know, Atlanta or you're going to have to go to one of these teams because now obviously Atlanta traded Matt Ryan to the Colts. 
you're going to have to go to one of these teams that is in desperate need of a quarterback, and they're not going to pay you that much because no one else is going to pay you that much. So either you sit on the sidelines and be a backup, or you re-sign with us and you restructure your contract so we can get more weapons around you. That's that's all you got to say. Because, honestly, if he wants to play in this league, he's got to make some sacrifices as well because his last few seasons haven't been on the caliber of the 2017 season. Yes, did he get hurt? Yes. But at the same time, you have to go out there and try to be somewhat team-friendly in the essence that you're already making a lot of money. You can't go out there because you're not Pat Mahomes. You're not Aaron Rodgers. You're not a top-five quarterback. Literally, if you go by some of the grades that you've seen out there, he's a top-15 quarterback. So pay him like a top-15 quarterback and restructure his contract if, if he does well. And we have to put him in that position to do well or we're just going to be wasting this year and wasting more years for our young talent. That's just my uh, my two cents. That's my two cents when it comes to Carson Wentz uh, and some of the buzz that I've heard lately. Uh, but things that we need uh, to have his, his success on this team are more weapons and get some more O-line depth. Andrew Norwell, great signing, solid veteran. He can go out there and Charles Leno signing him for a couple more years, solid veteran. You know, we can get these guys to uh, to be one of those lines. Because the funny thing is, is that I don't think anyone realizes that our line has been surprisingly good. And people don't really realize that because if you look at some of the stats and if you look at some of the professional grading systems, and different things like that, like pro football focus and different things like that, they have like our line, like the top 10, which is not bad. And quarterbacks kind of like that. I mean, look at Russell Wilson. He got sacked, feels like, every other play, and that's one one of the reasons why he won it out of Seattle. Um, but I think you're just looking at this team and understanding that to get Carson Wentz the best opportunity, you have to get more weapons. You can't have enough weapons and possibly get Chris Olave uh, in the first round at number 11 um, and try to get you know him to be that number two receiver. You know, And obviously he's going to take his, his bumps in the road and everything like that, but he's got the talent. He's got the talent. So you hopefully can get someone like that. And also, I mean, throw in a pass-catching tight end, too. Who cares? Go out there in the fifth round or some late round or whatever and just get, you know, from a smaller school, go out and get a a pass-catching tight end. That's going to be your number two tight end for pass-catching downs. You know, John Bates, he can catch the ball and stuff like that. He's more of a, excuse me, he's more of a a pass-catching, or excuse me, a blocking tight end than a pass-catching tight end. You know, you're not going to get a Pat Fryermuth uh, for Pittsburgh, but you're definitely going to go out there and get someone in the fourth or fifth round that is from, you know, it could be a D2 school or anything like that that runs decent routes. I mean, hell, go out there and try to get someone that can run five routes really well and, pass, and, and catch the ball. You don't need a guy that's going to go out there and run block for Antonio Gibson for no reason. I mean, he's you don't need another, you know, run-stuffing tight end. Makes no sense. But I think you need more O-line depth as well. Uh, that's one of the biggest things uh, because of the sole fact that you did lose your two guards pretty much. Uh, Eric Flowers uh, was cut to make more cap space, and obviously Brandon Sheriff wanted uh, the Brinks truck, and he was given that by the Jacksonville Jaguars. But anyways, uh, you definitely have to uh, look into Carson Wentz because obviously the draft is approaching. We're about a month away or so from the draft, so we shall see what happens with the Washington Commanders. Now moving on to a team that is on fire in the month of March.
the Washington Capitals. Your Washington Capitals on fire, as I just mentioned, which is, I mean, not an understatement. Let's be honest here. 8-1-1 one, one in the month of March. Their quality wins, two against Carolina in those 10 games, and one against Calgary. Carolina is one of the best teams in the East, and Calgary is one of the best teams in the West. I mean, <laughs> those are three quality wins, and we're talking about a team that had some goalie despair for a little while there. Vitek Vanacek was on the was on the uh, on the uh, IL or IR or whatever they call it because nowadays in every single sport they're changing the name of it for some reason. I have no idea why. But you're looking at it and saying this team needed this kind of streak because you had some teams that were on their tail in the standings. For instance, the Red Wings were for a, a brief second there and so were the, the the Blue Jackets even though we dismantled them the other day. But you're looking at it and saying, now we're 13 points ahead. We're one game uh, above the the Blue Jackets uh, in the standings. One more game played. But at the same time, we're 13 points up. Our goal differential is 34, which is better than the Rangers. It's better than the Lightning. Now, it's not the Panthers, which is 74, but it's better than the Bruins. So our goal differential is good, so we're scoring when we need to. But the biggest thing is... I, I just think that this is the time to start getting hot. Now, I'm going to go into it here in a minute that is this really too hot at the right time because at the same time you're looking, I mean, 18 games left, you'd hope that your team gets hot the last you know, 15 games, like starting at game 15 left, not not on game you know 26 left. But you're looking at it and saying three quality wins, Carolina twice and Calgary once. I, hockey is just a different animal. It, it it just is, because you're looking at you know hockey in general, and w- when you look at the hockey playoffs, because you are playing the same team, all you need is the right strategy, the right recipe, to go out and beat that one team. Now, we are in second in the wild card standings, obviously one behind the Bruins, but. You know, even after this hot, hot little stretch here in March. But you're looking at it and saying, no matter what team we play, it's going to be a tough matchup. I mean, we've gotten eliminated by eight seeds before. If you have that one small recipe for disaster for the other team and somehow it works, you can go on a deep run. Or even if you're a goaltender, which we're hoping that uh, – uh, Vitek Vanacek. I was about to say Simeon Varlamov, but I talked about him earlier in the rewind. Um, if Vitek Vanacek can go out there and not get hurt in the first period and actually you know, stand on his head a couple games and steal some for us. But you're looking at it and saying that recipe will win you a series for the most part. Barry Trotz, when he was here and we had the cup run, he literally tightened down the defense where he had this strategy of having like two or three guys in the neutral zone and not letting the other team enter the offensive zone. And they did that pretty much every single series and dominated every single series all the way until the Stanley Cup final against the Vegas Knights where they won in five games. It's just how it is. And not to mention, yes, Braden Holpe was playing out of his mind. And by the way, I was at the game last night and that was Braden Holtby's return to Capital One Arena. His first return 
since leaving the team for the Canucks a couple years ago because obviously they had the bubble and they had the COVID year and this and that. Uh, and now he's on the Dallas Stars. He was injured last night. I did hear that he was planning to start this game for the Dallas Stars, but he is injured. So he did come back. They had a really nice tribute for him uh, like 10 minutes into the game when they had a commercial break, and it was awesome. I loved it. He was really choked up. Uh, so welcome back, Holtz, uh, from last night, and uh, we really miss you. <laughs> uh, he had a great run in the Stanley Cup final. But you're looking at it and saying that hockey is just a different animal. It just, it just is. So anytime you play a team in the playoffs, all you need is that recipe. And then if you don't have that recipe in the first couple games, or if your goaltender is, is, is taking a beating, then you just need to adjust. And it's all about coaching decisions and that. I mean, yes, certain guys can take over games, but I mean, you're looking at, again, go back to the cup run, Philip Grubauer. He was pretty much the hot goaltender heading into the playoffs was terrible for us against the Isles, and we ended up putting Holtby back in there. And yes, Holtby's a better goaltender than Philip Grubauer, but we put Holtby back in there, and he stood on his head the entire playoff run. Entire playoff run. Obviously, he has that infamous moment against the Knights where they call it the save, you know, all that kind of stuff. But literally, goalies can win the game for you, but it's more so the coaching decisions and the strategy that goes into every single series. But are they too hot right now? I don't really know. I mean, you would like your team to stay hot for the entire, uh, you know, you know, postseason and all that kind of stuff. But sometimes you lay duds. Sometimes you lay eggs. Last night was kind of an egg from from the game with the Stars. I mean, we always suck against the Stars for some reason. I have no idea why. Now, I'm not exactly sure if we stink against the Stars or the Stars are just really good against us. Whenever they come in town, I believe that the last five games in Washington, the Stars have won like four, which is hilarious um, because <laughs> we had the cup run in there and different things like that. But I, I just think that when you're looking at this team, they're hot right now. 8-1-1 one, and one is a pretty good stretch, but a lot of the other teams are as well. Now, I'm not saying they're as hot as us when it comes to the standings, but you're looking at some teams that are faltering a little bit. I mean, the Hurricanes have lost four straight. Uh, the Rangers are 7-3-0 in their last 10. The Pens are 7-2-1. Bruins 7-2-1. Panthers 7-2-1. Uh, the Lightning and the Leaves are, uh, are – I say the Leaves. Can, can you say Toronto Maple Leaves or do you have to say Leafs? I don't know. Is it a pile of leaves or is it just, just a, a couple of leaves? I don't know. Got to figure that out. Uh, but you're looking at it and saying that some of these teams are struggling and some of the teams are staying put and the other teams are, are, are fighting forward. So, you know, when you're looking at the Eastern Conference, I just think that we are playing up to the caliber of these other high-profile teams. You're not going to have any any push from the Blue Jackets. You're just not. So it's going to be, are we going to be second in the wild card or first in the wild card? Because right now it doesn't look like we're going to catch the Pens because the Pens are kind of on fire just like we are. And then you're looking straight at the at the Bruins. That's the only spot that we got to go at. But does it really matter? Does it really matter? I don't think so. Because if we play the Panthers, the Panthers are more inconsistent than the Hurricanes. Yes, the Hurricanes are kind of reeling a little bit right now. And they might even, you know, take a step back. Who knows? The Rangers are uh, gaining a few games on them here lately. But I just think that when you're looking at the standings, it doesn't really matter. 
we're most likely going to be a wild card team. And we're most likely going to play the Canes or the Panthers. And I prefer the Panthers. So right now, we're we're staying put. And the good thing is that we've had two shootout wins in the last week. How about that? We're one of the top two teams in the entire NHL with overtime losses. And we get two shutouts, or excuse me, not shutouts, two shootout wins in the last week. That's great to see. Because honestly, we suck as a shootout team. We are terrible. TJ Oshie is one of the best shootout players in the entire NHL, and we suck. <laughs> he goes out there and makes it look so easy. And literally, when I was, I, I actually put some bets on that uh, Isles game. And literally, I had the over five and a half and the Caps money line. And I was on pins and needles the entire game. But then when it went to the shootout, I needed the money line win. And the Caps went out there. And I don't I don't even know if Varlamov saved half the shots. More so than the other shots were just missing. Now the Isles didn't do that much better. VTech was, was doing pretty good. But everyone was just missing their shots. And I'm like, can someone just put it on net? Like you look at you know penalty kicks in soccer. And yes, it's a little bit more difficult in hockey. Uh, you know, but it's also easier. I don't know. It's kind of a, a 50-50 split, I would say, because the goal's bigger in, in soccer. Uh, but, you know, in soccer, you can kind of tell where a guy's going rather than somebody who has a puck and is deking right in front of you. But I just think that it's the same thing about making free throws, in my opinion. Make your free throws. No one's guarding you. It's, a, it's, a, it's an easy shot to make. And I can say that because I actually have a plaque that I won a free throw competition once. So, you know, hats off to myself. Uh, pat me on the back. But you're looking at it and saying that this situation, when it comes down to the shootouts, is a huge deal for us. Because, yes, we don't have shootouts in the playoffs or anything like that, but the confidence is there. The confidence is there that we can go out and beat the Canes in a shootout. We can go out there and beat Anders Lee and you know Brock Nelson and these kind of guys and Simeon Varlamov and different different teams like that in shootouts. We can win those. It's not all doom and gloom when it gets to overtime. Yes. Are you sitting on pins and needles? Yes. Because it's overtime. <laughs> but at the same time, you got to make sure you go out there and get your points where uh, they're available. And that's why you're looking at 10 overtime losses. Say we take away three of those. That's three extra points. We're above Boston and we're closer to Pittsburgh. We're closer to New York. I mean, it, it, that's just a situation right there where overtime losses have pretty much killed us this season. Not to mention, they did kill the, the Pens. They have nine as well. But you're looking at other teams where the Panthers, Lightning, Leaves. I'm going to keep calling them Leaves. Uh, the Canes, the Rangers, and Boston all have five or six overtime losses when we have ten. So we almost doubled them up. So that's not a good sign. But overall, uh, we are playing good on away ice, which is nice. 27-5 and five in general uh, for the entire season, which is good just in case uh, for the playoffs. Because obviously we're not going to have home ice advantage. So that's a good thing. Uh, but just in general, it, it, I think that this team is is going to stay hot. I think they're going to stay hot because they they're playing really well. Yes, last night was a dud, uh, but I think they're gonna they're gonna have a good uh, situation coming up. Um, I think the key ingredients for them to have a strong finish, which obviously we'll be talking about that over the next uh, couple weeks because they have 18 games left. Uh, Vitek has to stay hot. He's six and one in March, 92.4 save percentage. Uh, which is top 10 in average for save percentage in the NHL. But they need to stay healthy. TJ Oshie, injury-riddled season for the guy. Everyone loves him. I love him. Great player, great leader, fun guy to be around from what I'm hearing. 
uh, from the locker room and so on and so forth. But he's got he's to stay healthy. You've got to make sure he comes back, hopefully uh, with around 10 games left to get his skates back from under him because that's the biggest thing. You cannot go into the playoffs and have guys just limping in the playoffs. That's just not how it's going to work. Anthony Mantha, he's been back for a handful of games now. He has three goals in the last four games. Uh, no goals in the last two games, but he did have the game winner against the Isles in overtime, or excuse me, in the shootout, and also had three goals in a matter of games uh, when he had his return as well. He had two against the Blue Jackets, the first two, as we talked about in the rewind. But overall, you got to stay healthy. Got to go in there, firing all cylinders. Make sure VTech has two or three games uh, right before the playoffs to stay hot. Um, and make sure uh, Samsonov is ready because you never know if VTech is going to get hurt somehow uh, later in the playoffs. Now, talking about March Madness real real quick, I, I just need to talk about it real briefly. Just let out you know some let off some steam in general. This year just sucks. This year sucks because literally I have eight of the sixteen, eight of the Sweet Sixteen I have. And you know what the funny thing is is that when I was filling out a bracket, okay. Very fun to fill out a bracket, but very nerve-wracking. Okay, you're looking at it. I had, uh, for, I should say, I did have this as my first initial bracket, and then I changed a lot of it. I had Houston in the the Sweet 16, changed it to Illinois, thought Kofi uh, Cockburn was going to dominate because the guy is, you know, is is, is a a mammoth in there, uh, just bullying everybody on the block. Houston shut them down, beat them by 15. I had UConn in there. UConn couldn't beat New Mexico State. I mean, come on now, New Mexico State. That one dude, uh, I think his name was Allen or something like that. That guy had like 37 points or something like that. Unbelievable. Uh, then I had, uh, let's see, I had uh, Alabama beating Notre Dame. And Notre Dame kicked Alabama's teeth in. I mean, let's be honest here, that was embarrassing. Um, had Tennessee beating Michigan. Michigan shouldn't even be in there. Colorado State, that was the first buzzkill of all my bets. Colorado State, a 15-point lead. All I had them was winning a money line. That was plus 110 for the Colorado State-Michigan game. Buzzkill. Oh, uh, geez. I had Providence in the Sweet 16. Took them out. Put Iowa all the way to the freaking Final Four. They lost in a stupid first game to Richmond. And Richmond <laughs> got punted to the moon by Providence by 28 points. Jeez. Richmond. Not even the best team in Richmond. <laughs> Unbelievable. And UNC, then I tell my mom to, to not put UNC in there because they're going to lose to Baylor, and Baylor screws it up in overtime without North Carolina's best scorer on the floor. Oh, my God. Of course, that was the best text of the week. Hey, Mom, UNC won in overtime. Sorry. And she's like, I should have kept him, and then I didn't text her back. But she did take Tennessee all the way, and I thought that was a pretty decent pick, and, of course, they got upset. What else is new? Looking at the other side of the bracket as well. Oh, man. Tech. Tech, tech, tech. Virginia Tech did not shoot the ball well. I don't know what Mike Young was doing. This is a little, some tiny little rant. What was Tech doing? Why can't Virginia Tech go out there and shoot threes? You shot eight in like 33 minutes of the basketball game. Eight. You are a three-point shooting team. Why are you shooting eight three-pointers? I shot eight three-pointers today just for the little kids at school when I was teaching. <laughs> They're like, shoot it, Mr. Surround. And I'm like, okay. So I shot, and I, and I just kept making it. So I kept shooting. I shot more than in, in 30 minutes than Tech did in 30 minutes. Unbelievable. I don't know what that was. They should have easily beaten Texas. 
Texas is not that good. Not that good at all. And then last but not least, St. Peter's, the Peacocks, going out there. That's another, That's my last gripe. That's my last gripe, folks. Actually, I should say USC is another gripe because USC should have beaten Miami. That was embarrassing. But St. Peter's, plus 500 boost by our one of our sponsors, DraftKings, and I didn't take it in time, and they took it down. What an idiot. What an idiot move by me. Seriously, that was so stupid. I could have I could have got plus 500 odds. I could have got plus 500 odds. I felt like Beetlejuice from Howard Stern. Spell red. Red. L-S-T-E-R. <laughs> I literally felt like that. I mean, and then I was I was this this guy from TikTok. Emotional damage. Could have could have profited $200. Didn't didn't work. Didn't work. What an idiot I am. So dumb. Oh my gosh. So dumb. Anyways, alrighty. We're gonna move on to the final lap. 90 seconds of quick analysis on big stories in sports. Here we go. Deshaun Watson traded to the Browns for three first rounders and few more picks as well. Don't know what those picks are, but three first rounders. Deshaun Watson, only 26 years old. Yes, he does have some controversy surrounding him. But what an addition the Browns have made with Amari Cooper and Deshaun Watson. I mean, three three first-rounders ain't bad. We got RG3 for three first-rounders, and he wasn't even proven in the NFL yet. So that makes Baker Mayfield the next guy out. And Baker Mayfield, where does he go? Who knows? No one really knows right now. Obviously, Matt Ryan getting traded to the Colts. That's a big thing as well. So we'll have to stay tuned to that. LBJ passes Carl Malone for second all-time in the leading scorer list. 1,400 right now behind Kareem, though, for number one. But the funny thing is LeBron passed Carl Malone for second time all-leading scorer, and they lost to the Wizards. Embarrassing. Iowa State makes a sweet 16 after a 2-22 and season last year, which is amazing to say because college basketball, all you need – is that one or two players that can make you uh, some formidable opponent, and that's all of a sudden what Iowa State did, and now they are in the Sweet 16, and I'm rooting for the Cyclones because I have them in a pool and I really need them to win. Maryland finally hires a coach. They had Rick Pitino on the mind, but Rick Pitino said no thank you. They hired Seton Hall's former head coach, Kevin Willard. Seton Hall only missed the tournament once since 2015. We're a number eight seed this year, and they lost the opening round to TCU, a number nine TCU team that was really good. Uh, but he is a former disciple of Rick Pitino at Louisville, so that is Maryland's new head man, the Seton Hall former coach, Kevin Willard. So there you go, Terp fans. If you are a Terp fan out there listening to the DC crossover, there's your new guy. You got Kevin Willard. So moving on to the money line real quick. Cha-ching! The money line uh, picks are not great. Not great, folks. Last week we went one and one. I'm one and three in the last last two weeks. It's not good. Not good. Ben's lock of the week: Texas Tech minus one over Duke. That's a really good one. Texas Tech hasn't missed a beat since Coach Beard ended up moving to Texas. Uh, so that's kind of crazy. Texas Tech literally uh, right now is favored in this game as a number three seed. Um, but a lot of the uh, analysts out there are saying that they should have had a number two seed in general. But Texas Tech, uh, minus one versus Duke. That's uh, it's, it's basically a pick'em game for the most part. I bet it's going to end up being a pick'em game. 
because uh, I think a lot of people are going to be on Texas Tech, so the pick's going to be going down uh, to make it just a pick'em game, uh, or actually uh, the other way around. It might go up to like two, two and a half, maybe possibly. We'll have to see about that. Uh, but his dog, he's taking the Peacocks, St. Peter's plus twelve and a half over Purdue. Um, but I think Purdue is is too high scoring. Uh, I don't think St. Peter's can go out there and shoot the lights out like they did in the first round against Kentucky. Uh, but Ben thinks so. Ben's going to take the plus 12.5 for St. Peter's of Peacocks versus Purdue. My lock of the week, UCLA minus 2 over UNC. I think UNC got lucky against Baylor, to be honest with you. Uh, they definitely dominated in the first round. I understand that against Marquette. But in the second round, they should have easily lost to Baylor. Uh, Baylor had all the momentum. They were in Texas. Uh, uh, Manic was out with the flagrant two, and somehow they escaped with a win in overtime against Baylor. I don't know how that happened uh, when Baylor came back from 25 down. But I'm going to take UCLA, the Bruins, minus two over UNC. And then my dog, I'm going to go Duke, plus one versus Texas Tech and see if I can take this one over Ben. Now, I think I'm going to root for Texas Tech, uh, but because I don't like Duke, and I mean, who really does outside of Cameron Indoor? Uh, but overall, I think that I want to pick Duke mainly because of the sole fact of I have him in a pool. <laughs> so that's going to be something as well. Uh, I have three teams in a pool right now that are still left in a draft that we did. I have Iowa State, Duke, and UCLA. So I'm taking two of my teams right here. Uh, hopefully they can win and keep me in that pool. So anyways, that is going to do it for episode 104. That's 104 for everybody at home. This is the DC Crossover with Saron and Simpson, the Madness of March episode, the solo cast with your boy here, Mike Saron. Let's hear from Craig Melvin when he has to say about the solo cast and what he thinks about it. <laughs> oh, hey, Craig. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. All right. He's having a great time as well. So again, this is Mike Saron signing off for episode 104 of the DC Crossover. Once again, go tune in to The Contender every single week. We are broadcasted on there every single week on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. So go check that out. Also check out all of our other episodes on all your social media platforms and your podcasting platforms as well. Follow the show on Twitter at the DC crossover. Follow my personal account at Saron 16. It's more so me just being a sore loser when it comes to bets. So if you're not really into that kind of thing, then uh, I probably would suggest not following me. But anyways, definitely follow the show at the DC crossover on Twitter. Also follow The Contender on Twitter and on TikTok and everything like that at The Contender. That's Contender with a K. And definitely go download their app so you can listen to us every single week. And you can also listen to our live streams every single week from Tuesdays on Thursdays on Saturdays. Go on. They have an on-air schedule on there. You can check that out. And definitely tune in to all the other DC shows and the other Chicago shows as well. Once again, Mike Cerrone signing off for episode 104 of the DC Crossover.